Hello ninjas and ninjas and welcome to another episode of the Exposure Ninja Digital Marketing Podcast. My name is Tim Cameron Kitchen, Head Ninja at Exposure Ninja and best-selling digital marketing author. In this episode, I'm joined by Jerome Love from the Pirelli Savvy Club. Now, if you're not into horses, you won't have heard of the Pirelli Savvy Club, just like any niche, it goes completely under the radar of the rest of us. But if you are into horses, there's a good chance that you've heard of this. Now, why is the Pirelli Savvy Club of interest to us and why is Jerome on the show today? Well, I wanted to bring him on because the Pirelli Savvy Club is a huge online membership organization. They have an online component. They also have an offline component. And I think hearing about how they've hybrided and how they've mixed the two areas is really, really interesting and something that a lot of us who run membership sites could find really useful. So Jerome has come on to talk about how they've built up the Savvy Club, the sort of digital marketing that they've been using, uh, their tips for retention and customer service, and also his kind of non-traditional approach um, with digital marketing and particularly his use of lead magnets and funnels and all that sort of stuff. So quite an interesting guy and a very interesting episode. So I hope you really enjoy it. And don't forget, if you want to join the Exposure Ninja Digital Marketing Mastermind, it's a free club and it's on Facebook. So you can just search for Exposure Ninja Digital Marketing Mastermind. Great place to get any of your digital marketing questions answered by some super savvy, uh, super savvy digital marketers in all areas. Um, whether you just want to get some feedback on a lead page or uh, whether you want to get some help with Google AdWords or something specific with your SEO, whatever. Just search for Exposure Ninja Digital Marketing Mastermind on Facebook and click to request to join. Anyway, enjoy the show. So Jerome, welcome to the show, man. (laughs) I'm excited to be here. So for those who don't know... Pirelli, obviously we have some horse people listening, but for those who don't, maybe you could give us a bit of a background on exactly what Pirelli is all about. Yeah, that's a great question and a little bit harder to answer than than you'd think. But um, in short, Pirelli is a horse training program that's been around for, Pat Pirelli did his first seminar about 35 years ago to this year. And then for the past 25 years or so, Pirelli as an organization has existed. And so Pat started out doing seminars and doing clinics and things like that and was known for doing problem solving. So he studied with some great guys like Tom Dorrance, Ray Hunt, and a lot of these guys who you would consider the fathers of natural horsemanship. And uh, what Pat did was kind of systemize that and create a uh, system along with his wife, Linda, where anybody could do this, you know, and so he went around the country and around the world teaching clinics and then wanted to reach more people, started doing videos, VHS in that time, monthly, you know, print newsletters that went out in the mail or in the post, as as you guys say over on that side of the pond. (laughs) (laughs) And then that's evolved into different versions of that, but just our commitment to never-ending self-improvement. We then continued to move on to DVDs and so about 12 years ago, uh, Pirelli started the Savvy Club, which was really modeled on a book of the month type club. The idea was to unite people who are looking for a safe, ethical, and effective, and also rewarding way with horses. And so there was monthly videos, monthly newsletters, and you know, you fast forward to 2017, and what we've done is reimagined that and really brought in all the best pieces of the program, also leveraged you know, new technologies, new ways that people are getting together online, creating groups, forums, all those types of things to really create this whole experience that that is 
updated for modern times. So that's kind of a, a quick rundown of what, what Pirelli does. <laughs> All right. So th- the Savvy Club is, is huge. Just so we can kind of get a, a reference for it. In digital marketing speak, this is a, it's like an online membership site, isn't it? I know there's a, there's a really big offline component and that's a really important part of it, which we'll get into later. But just for listeners to get a sense of the scale of, of this Savvy Club, how many members do you have ballpark figure you don't need to give any specifics and what sort of membership fees are these guys paying yeah that's a great question so we have tens of thousands of members in over 72 countries and uh, people pay anywhere from 1995 us per month to uh 9 99.95 us per month and then we offer annual options with a little bit of a discount so you get 12 months for the price of 10. huge membership so what's your what what's your input with the savvy club? Are you re- you're responsible for the online piece, right? Yeah, I I'm technically the uh, my title is a product manager of the savvy club here at Pirelli, and so as we've moved to more of a digital format, I've been uh, very involved with the technical development side and also the user experience and design. So those are kind of my two strengths. And then I'm also responsible, obviously, for, you know, the business, the profitability, the cash flow, understanding, you know, making sure that we're developing on the right schedules and staying within budget and all that stuff. But things I really enjoy actually are the user experience and, and the front end web development. Both of which I think, by the way, you've done an, an absolutely fantastic job. How did you personally get involved in, in Pirelli and what's, what's your background? So my background is um, actually not at all with horses. Um, I'm married to a three-star instructor. So I basically chased a girl who chased horses and then ended up working for a horse company. But I grew up in Northern California and I'm, I'm by horse standards, I'm a city slicker. Went to school in the Bay Area at Berkeley and, and studied consumer behavior and entrepreneurship with a emphasis in city and regional planning as well. So my background's actually not at all to do with horses, but I really love people. And that's what I love about the Pirelli program and the system that Pat's developed over these past years is that, yes, it's about training horses, but to see what it's done for people and transforming their relationships with other people, transforming their relationships with groups. I've, I've heard stories of teachers using it in classrooms, therapists using it in their practice, all kinds of stuff. So that the application of the program actually goes way beyond. It's kind of transcendent. It starts with horses, but horses teach you so much. And um, it's wonderful to see people apply that in their own lives and other places outside of horses. That, yeah, that's, that's, that's awesome, dude. And, and when, when you came to Pirelli, it was, it was mostly, or well, the Savvy Club in particular was mostly offline, wasn't it? Is that right? No, not, not, not so necessarily. Um, I came to Pirelli because my wife actually uh, was fortunate to have an opportunity to study directly with Pat Pirelli and also study directly with Linda Pirelli for about two and a half, three years. I just started out taking photos. Photography is my first, first love. And so I, we moved to Southwest Colorado to um, support her and her endeavor. And uh, I needed a, a job, so I started taking some photos and had a background in marketing, worked a little bit in social media. And there was an online component. We, we called it Pirelli Connect at that time. It had been built, I believe, 2010, 2011. It needed a facelift, um, <laughs> to, to, to put it nicely. It was a great system. It had some really cool features, but um, some of our ambitious for the technology of 2010, 2011. And I mean, as you know, as, as I mean, we're sitting here recording a podcast, you know, 
thousands of miles apart. And so technology is just, you know, exponentially grown. You know, it, it had a little bit of an online component, but it wasn't, you know, polished. And, you know, to be honest, horse people, as I've, I've gotten to know, are, are really outdoor f- folks, you know, who want to go out there, do stuff with their horse, be progressive, learn things, you know, get out on the trailer, compete in the arena, whatever it is that they like to do with horses. Usually it's not spending time in, in front of a computer. So trying to find that balance of, you know, making it engaging enough, but also not all consuming in a way that, you know, people, horse people can still be horse people. Yeah, yeah, totally. So obviously most online memberships are just kind of, you log in and then you watch some videos and, and may, maybe they have like a forum component. Mm-hmm. How does that contrast with what a member of the Savvy Club gets when they're a mem- when, or as part of that membership? Yeah, that's, that's a great, great point. Yeah, many memberships, what I, I kind of think of them as, as broadcasts. They're, they're one-way distributions, right? It's a, the equivalent of a TV station or the equivalent of you know, a newspaper or a radio broadcast, right? It's one way. What I loved about Pirelli Connect and, and the original concept was that you have all these people who are so passionate about the program, and so you can leverage that passion and that activity and make it what I call a multi-sided, or not what I call, but you know, a, a common term is a multi-sided platform. So a place where not only is Pirelli as an organization or Pirelli as its instructors or Pirelli as Pat and Linda um, can create content and distribute it, but also members can create value there. So we've put a lot of emphasis on more community-focused features, so things like groups, forums, um, the ability for members to kind of curate their own content through our playlist feature, the ability for them to, you know, provide feedback. We do regular surveys and we ask them, you know, what's working, what's not working so that we can continue to cater it to their needs. What I think is so important in today's uh, world is that people expect personalization, um, even at scale. Yeah, that, that's that's completely true. And I, I wanted to ask about how, you know, the, the tendency would be to build something that's, that's really easy. And like you say, a, a, a broadcast membership. Obviously, that's not the approach that, that Pirelli took. And with that comes a lot of extra work, which judging by your numbers is, is, is clearly worth it. But how do you think having these, these kind of extra, the engagement pieces and, and the surveys and all of that, how do you think that has impacted the retention and the engagement with your members? Do you think it makes a difference to them? Absolutely. You know, reten- retentions probably are our, our best metric and something we're very proud of. We have members who've been members for five, seven, 10, 12 years. We even have some lifetime members who've taken advantage of that too. We had an offer before we went digital, but those people are still very active and involved. So retention is something that we pay very close attention to, and we think it's important. So what's driving that, I think, is, is really your question there. And I think it's it's really having a pulse on what our members are saying and what they want and understanding what is valuable to them. And so putting the emphasis not on just the information, but also making the information engaging and allowing them to create value on the platform, building relationships through groups, building relationships through forums. We have a worldwide network of instructors who are very active on these forums. So not only people can get this one-way distribution of our wonderful program and the system that works, but they can also ask a question from a real-life instructor who's certified to teach this and and get personalized help. And so in that case, I think it just continues to build on it where I'm not only getting access to thousands of videos and thousands of articles and all of this information that's been developed over 
the past three and a half decades, but I'm also part of a community of people who love horses the way that I love them, who want to get results, but in a safe, ethical, and effective way. And I can also get help from really, really stellar, world-class professionals who do this for a living. So I think that's really the you know, secret sauce in a sense is that it's not just you're alone doing this thing that you're trying, you know, self-improvement or you want to get better with horses, but you're also on this journey with other like-minded people. And you have people ahead of you. You have people who, who are doing this for a living, who are really awesome with horses. You have people who are maybe just getting started, don't know what end the manure comes out of, but you're all in it together, right? And so you have these different reference points of where you can go and where you came from. I think that's just such a big component, right? Like people want to stay progressive, but they also need to see that progress and, and have a sense of achievement and get those rewards, whether it's just intrinsic and something that they did for themselves, but also being able to high five somebody and say, wow, that's awesome. Look at how far you've come. I've heard it said that things like this, where there's a huge community element, people often come in for the information because they initially have, you know, they have a pain or in this this case, they have a horse or they want to become better at horsemanship or whatever. And then so they come in for that initial thing, but what really keeps them and what drives the retention is that sense of community and is the feeling that, that they belong, right? You you have a tribe. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I mean, and there's there's a guy I I really respect and I think is is doing some really cool stuff. And you might know him as, as Seth Godin. He's written a few books, a few famous marketing books. But he said something very, very interesting once in an interview. I think it was you know on a podcast with Tim Ferriss. He said that marketers are really just tribe leaders. These tribes exist, right? People are already kind of self-organizing or kind of know who they're looking for or who the, you know, what what they want to do in life or, you know, what they enjoy. And really, you know, people come along and are the catalyst for that group of people or that tribe of people. And I think that's so important to realize that the power of your community and understanding their needs and wants and then being able to give them something to rally around, whether it's the education and then also they stay for the camaraderie and the activities and the achievement and progress that they're making. But it really does start with that that tribal feeling of like, yeah, we're all in this together and these are all people that that, that view the world similar to the way that I do. Yeah, that, that makes total sense. So we spoke in, in, the, in the kind of pre-call about there was a period where a lot of the or, or a large component of the membership was kind of offline. And then it was a case of building a, a kind of online home mm-hmm. f- for the members. And, you know, v- obviously, it was a very established membership at that stage. That must have been a, a phase that needed to be treated with care, right? Because we have people who are happy in their membership, and we're trying to kind of adapt and, and uh, evolve what they're getting w- with their membership. So I'm really interested about the conversations that you had with this tribe and, and how you identified how you guys could best serve them with the membership as it as it kind of evolved. Because I think this is, you know, people listening who might be considering starting up their own membership, this is going to be really useful to help them identify how they can create something which isn't just the broadcast, but actually this is something that, you know, that they can look at um, implementing some of the the kind of tribe and engagement features that you guys have. Yeah, that's a that's a layered question. So I'll try to, to answer that. That's a that's a big one. <laughs> so as it relates to that transition period and trying to understand the different points and the different motivations for folks, 
as they've either been in the membership for years or they've been, you know, part of the Pirelli community for years and we've had previous molts of, of membership. Uh, I think it starts first with just asking a lot of good questions. You know, I spent a lot of time um, on the road, actually, and going to different horse expos that we would present at and going. Um, we have a campus here in Colorado and a campus in, in Florida, and I would spend time on those campuses talking with students and just really trying to immerse myself because, again, I'm not necessarily a horse person. I'm, I have the wonderful privilege of being married to an instructor, and I have gotten it through osmosis, but um, really taking the time to just listen, I think is so important, and just really trying to understand how, what you have to offer, whether it's information, whether it's, you know, organization of information, I think that's a huge value too, that you really, really take the time to really get to know your tribe, understand their pain points, understand their goals, understand where they want to be, and then begin adjusting your your mix or or adjusting what you you would like to do. So so many people come out and are selfish and horribly selfish in the sense like this is where we're going, this is what we're gonna do. You're gonna love it. It's gonna be amazing. And people are like, well, that's not what I wanted, you know. Um, so I, I really think having a healthy user experience focus at the at the front and doing that 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 heavy lifting early on and taking the time it takes is important. As you begin to move on that and say, you know, I've got some ideas here. I've got a plan for how I'd like to engage this tribe. We're kind of on that that theme right now. Keep testing it. Keep keep tasting your cooking. Keep making sure that where you're going is still vibing with the people that you talked with. So many people take, you know, a, a survey or they take a, you know, a focus group or something like that. And then they just take that as like the Bible, you know, as a Ten Commandments written in stone. That's what we need to do. These, you know, but People change, their tastes change, and sometimes they can't tell you what they want at that point. So always stay progressive, always stay you know, involved with what, what your people are doing. And the only constant is change, right? Yeah, for sure, for sure. So, <laughs> so, and go ahead. I, that, that kind of reminds me of that old Henry Ford quote, which seems particularly, particularly relevant for you guys. If, if you ask people what they want, they would have said a faster horse. So I guess you've got to kind of balance that with not rocking the boat too much and not you know we sell them a car we're not going to sell them an electric car or a spaceship or something that they just completely don't understand so there has to be a kind of balance so i'm wondering if you have a do you have like a focus group which you go out to or do you have a customer avatar in your head or do you just know your audience so well that you can kind of virtually feed back with them yeah we've got kind of components of all of that um we definitely kind of you know, the beauty of, of Pirelli and, and working here is we have a lot of people who work here who are students, right? They are people who do the program. So we've kind of got our own little mini focus group out on the campuses or here in the building or out in Florida or, or you know, throughout our instructor base. So that's one component of it. But we definitely spent time developing personas and kind of creating an avatar of folks. And because the the beauty and the curse of this program is that it really applies for anything with horses, but that's a very hard thing to tell people, like from the jump. This will solve all your problems. Uh, you know, you're like, yeah, you know what? <laughs> right. Yeah. That, <laughs> completely shitting me. Sorry. Sorry. I don't care. Sorry. Excuse my language. <laughs> no, um, <good> <laughs> um, so really honing in on, on finding these points of reference and relevance before trying to sell them on something that they don't even know if they want it, you know? And so understanding that piece and, and 
really taking the time to kind of develop these personas and how you can create reference points for an English jumper or a Western trail rider or a cattle rancher or what, you know, whatever it is these people want to do with horses, understanding the language and the way that you can make this wonderful program refer- uh, relatable to them. That's so important. So we've got an element of that. And then we do um, send out, you know, surveys and I'm very involved in, on the website and make sure that I talk with people and kind of pop in on groups and forums and, you know, ask questions and, you know, kind of just be involved and do the work of understanding what people are doing and what they need help with. So, yeah, that's 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 definitely a heavy component of it. And then I think that balance is key. And, and um, you know, we've definitely jumped the gun on things or been progressive that maybe it was a little bit too early. And just being able to be humble about that and say, you know what, that's a really good idea on paper, but it didn't resonate with people. So we'll we'll change directions. I think so many people get caught up in their own ways or, you know, so committed to their way of doing things that they're not, you know, at the end of the day, the market's the truth teller. So <laughs> you might think you have the this greatest idea. True. You might have, you think you have the greatest idea in the world. You know, people have, have got to love it, but at the end of the day, um, if, if they don't see it as valuable, value enough, value, valuable enough to pay for, you know, you might be off a little bit. So yeah, the numbers do not lie. So um, just kind of, that's a great segue into, into talking about some numbers. So you mentioned that you have different price points from, I think, $19 up to, to 99. How do you choose those price points? And what's, you know, maybe take us through the different membership tiers that are available so people can get a sense of what they get at each stage. So with the, with the price points, we, we started with some personas in mind, right? And we kind of tried to think about where these different price levels would sit with different demographics, socioeconomic status, things like that. And this sounds much more scientific than it is, but we just kind of, you know, <laughs> these people that, that way. Um, I'm not sitting in a lab coat, like, you know, writing down, you know, oh, <laughs> people tend to, you know, 35% of people making this income, blah, 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 blah. No, that's not. I love that stuff. I'm, I'm a nerd at heart, but uh, that's not what I'm doing day to day. So... <laughs> So with, with the bronze membership, uh, that that's kind of our entry level membership, and we offer that at nineteen ninety five US per month or uh, one ninety nine ninety five US per year, and so immediately you you save you know forty bucks if you if you go with the annual option, and that's really designed for somebody who wants access to this global community of natural horsemanship, and the focus there is is really for people to kind of get a taste and and gain an understanding of the program, be able to access the, the wonderful online tool, the platform that we have, and maybe somebody who's either coming back to horses or somebody who's a student, maybe at college, but still wants to stay active with horses and they can kind of create their own imaginary horse online and, and stay progressive with that and then stay connected to the, the community. So that's really designed for an individual who might be a little bit more casual, but still loves to be involved with, with horses and loves the information and wants to um, you know, stay up to date on it. Our silver membership is forty nine ninety five US per month, or four ninety nine ninety five US per year, and that's our family membership. So with with this membership, you get four unique logins. So each person in your family can have their own profile, their own horses to uh, track their progress with, and they also get a few other features. Uh, we want to encourage people to again, horse horse people are outside folks, and we do these courses. We do week long to 10 week long courses here in beautiful Colorado or in the winter in, in Florida. And so we offer other incentives. You know, if, if 
you as a uh, family wanted to come on on campus or, you know, mother, daughter, father, son come out, they get a, a little bit more of a discount on courses. And uh, they also get a few other little perks uh, within the site itself, some podcasts, some additional content that works for them. So we really thought of, you know, families in that case, you know, so you can split that 50 bucks between four people and it actually comes out a little bit less than the bronze membership there. But again, you know, it's for for family or whatever you consider to be family. And then finally, our gold membership is is uh, $99.95 per month US and, or uh, $999.95. That's a lot of nines uh, mm-hmm. per month US. <laughs> and that's really for the dedicated students. They get an amazing deal. I mean, if, if you're going to if you want to come out to campus and you want to um, take a course or maybe you want to become a professional, we have a, a licensed professional program that people um, can begin and start their own vocation in horses. That's really designed for them because they're going to get you know webinars with Pat and Linda. They're going to get additional mastery tutorials that, that Linda writes every month. So there's a little bit more high level student or somebody who wants to really accelerate their learning and they get an amazing deal uh, coming on campus. So... Really, you know, you think of that that tier goes up in level of dedication um, or in level of, uh, you know, how how progressive you want to be. I, th- I think the the detail at w- which, you know, the target audience for each level is is that I think the main thing that people are going to take away from this, mm-hmm. because, you know, I know for our own membership sites that we've run, it's kind of a case of thinking, okay, so we got this one and we're pretty much going to price it there. And then we've got this level, we're going to pretty much price it there. And then, and then that's really the kind of extent of the thinking that goes behind it. Mm-hmm. You've so clearly mapped out your target audience for each of these memberships that they are almost, it sounds like they're kind of in, in your head, at least they're entirely separate products, really. The fact that they're in underneath the same umbrella is, mm-hmm. you know, is, is, it's kind of coincidental the you've so clearly thought about what each level is getting that yeah just just a a kind of sense of the work that has gone into this this is not an accidental thing this is not something where you just you know hit and hoped and it, it seems to have turned out right this is very very conscious isn't it there's two points to that one being conscious about it, but also being fluid with it we understand people's people's tastes change people's motivations change so that's that's what we think today but that might change tomorrow. And I think it's always important to, I'm reading through a book right now, How Google Works. And their forward, they talk about um, how they start meetings and uh, at least some of their top folks. They, they ask two questions. They ask, you know, what's changed today? So what's changed now? What's different? And what could be true in five years? And I think we always need to approach our entire business that way and understand, okay, what has changed for our tribe today and how are we going to address that? And then what could be true for our tribe in five years or 10 years or whatever it is? And so, yes, it may seem, you know, rigid or very clear picture, but it's also fairly fluid to understand that we're going to adapt and change with our tribe as needed. So that's that's true today. That That's what we think that those people um, need and want, but it could change. That, that's okay. Yeah, that's, that's, that's awesome. I want to ask you about Retention churn. You mentioned that you've got some members who've been, you know, lifetime members and, and people who've been members for many, many years. Have you, as you've been going through the the process of building the membership, have you discovered any particular techniques which are particularly good at reducing churn and, and keeping people members longer? So you talk about that online offline component. 
so we're very fortunate. We have a network of, of over 300 professionals worldwide. And we think it's really important to get people into a real life experience with either one of our professionals or here on campus or with Pat or Linda at an event or an appearance at an expo. So that's a big part of uh, nurturing our customers and our members along is making sure that they have the opportunity to have a, an in-person experience, to have a connection to the program and the system beyond just distribution of information. So I think that's one piece. So it's kind of like a qualitative thing. I, I don't have a lot of numbers as to how, how directly that's correlated, but it's definitely something that we keep a, a, a pulse or a finger on the pulse for. As far as churn goes, I mean, nurture, 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 nurture. I will say that again, nurture, 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 nurture. <laughs> you need to check in with your, with your tribe, like, again, tasting your own cooking, making sure that this is vibing with them. I think also just being gracious and, and generous and really taking feedback to heart and really trying to understand where people are coming from. So that, that's part of that. And then also when people do get in the membership, making sure that those little pain points, you know, if, if people are having trouble logging in or if people are having trouble, you know, understanding the site, like, especially when it comes to technology, right? It's changing so fast. The world's changing so fast. So what me as, a, you know, a digital native in the sense, like, you know, I grew up with a computer in the house, you know, since I was 10 and, you know, I, I went to school at, at Berkeley and, and they, you know, have one of the best computer science programs, you know, Silicon Valley, all that stuff. So so what's natural to me, like I understand what an internet browser is, I understand, you know, how to clear cookies and, yeah, you know, update programs and I do a little bit of programming. A lot of people don't have that base knowledge. And so I would even, you know, challenge yourselves to even work on the things outside of, of the actual membership site and educating your tribe on how to get more out of the tools that they're using to access your, your site. So I think of, a, of an AARP example, right? So AARP talked about um, developing a tablet device for 55 plus, 65 plus folks who are eligible for... Are you familiar with AARP in, in England? I'm not, no. Okay. It's the American Association of Retired People. So it's a, um, okay. you know, they, it's a program you can join. I, I believe the age now is 58. But long story short, it's, it's a resource for people who are retired, you know, in, in, in a later stage of life. Um, they get discounts on stuff. They get uh, reduced insurance rates, things like that. And ARP's mission is to really enrich the lives of retired people. And so they talked about developing a tablet for, um, for retired people because even the iPad was still too cumbersome or too complicated for the average, you know, 60, 65-year-olds. And so somebody asked them and said, hey, what, 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 how would you feel if Amazon came along and, and basically just usurped your idea and created it for cheaper and um, it was better. And they said, that'd be fine with us because that's our mission. Our mission is to help this group of people have a, a better life and, and enjoy the benefits of modern technology. And so that, 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 that would help us achieve our mission. So I think that was such a wonderful insight that ARP was just committed to educating their, their tribe and helping their tribe get the most out of their service. So even if somebody else came along and provided that service, they were still stoked about that. My long-winded point there is to really don't overlook the little things. If your customers, if your members are having trouble accessing that or don't quite understand the menus or don't quite understand what to do, you've really got to hone in on that process. So back to the nurture point. So, so really spend some time understanding the nurture point or understanding the point of view 
from the beginning, maybe the first two weeks, uh, the first 30 days, 60 days, whatever it is, and find some touch points there and don't underestimate or overestimate your, your, your members and take the time to, to notice the little things and say, this is how you set up a profile, right? This is how you can create a playlist. This is how you can ask a question. And for some people, it might be kindergarten, but for I would, I would happily bet that in most cases that that is going to be welcomed rather than, oh, you know, you're giving me baby food. Yeah, sure. And I think this is really important, even for, you know, even when we're talking to a relatively technically sophisticated audience, right? I noticed that a lot of um, a lot of the SaaS, the, the, the software that, that we use running our agency, quite often now they have this, they have like a getting started process that the first time you log in, it kind of takes you on a tour and shows you how to do things because they recognize that unless they can get you engaged in this thing immediately, you're just going to cancel or you're not going to you're not going to, you know, upsell after the free trial period, are you? So you've just got to get people engaged and using it and playing with it as quickly as possible. As soon as they've committed and put their own data in, then they're much more likely to stick. I would almost argue that it's a moral thing. Like I'm going to, I'm not even going to take it there because <laughs> I think that when people are giving you value or if people are giving you money, they expect value. And they, and as soon as they cross that threshold, and, and I think this is super important, People really need to get out of this transactional mindset and they need to focus on a relational business because so often people are so happy, they spend so much time running Facebook ads, doing these little like webinar things where they're, you know, just creating, you know, it's a lead gen opportunity. And as soon as they hit you with the buy button and you, you spend the money, then, then poof, they're gone, right? I would argue morally that that is wrong because um, <laughs> you're, not, you're not serving your customer. You're not serving your member. And um, that, that, that's my opinion, and maybe that's a little extreme, but um, I, I would go there with that because if you really want to build a successful membership business, you should be in it to serve people first and to enrich their lives with whatever information or whatever expertise you have and not be so selfish about it. And <laughs> sorry to get on a soapbox about that. Maybe that's a little too extreme, but that's just, <laughs> that's my feeling. Well, in no. Sense, um, that, that so often these these internet marketers or internet gurus, whatever you want to talk about, they just, they keep, you know, running people through this cycle of, of, of snake oil. And I think that's just that, that you got to be in it for the long run. Is, I guess it's a churn and burn approach, isn't it? Well, exactly. exactly. I think so you, can, you, can... you talk about churn, right? That's so important, right? So you've got so many levers there, right? You can either add more people to the top of the funnel and just keep, you know, you don't really care where the holes are. Or you can, you also have the lever of, of keeping people in there and understanding, you know, oh, maybe this was a little bit clunky, so we'll fix that. And, you know, your month of membership's on us because that didn't live up to your expectations. And that's going <laughs> to, I think that's a better payoff in the long run um, when you think about lifetime customer value, that you're not just focused on, you know, shuffling people through whatever sales funnel or click funnel you've got, but you're really focused on keeping them and helping them achieve whatever goal or whatever um, progress that they want to make through your service, through your information, through your expertise. Those are kind of your two levers of churn. So I think in most cases, when it comes to the world of internet marketing, uh, people really just focus on, you know, build your list, build your list, build your list. Get, get, if you just get more people in the top end, then, you know, it won't matter how long they stay. So I think that's wrong. Yeah. I guess it's it's also a lot easier to to sell someone who is already member on, on on you know on retaining on renewing than it is to sell someone who's completely brand new. Absolutely. So, 
as well as a moral argument, you could just make a straight financial argument and say it's more efficient to keep your existing members happy. Yeah, anybody who's had a job, you've heard you've heard people say, you know, it's easier to keep an employee or or it's it's uh it's cheaper to keep an employee versus hiring a brand new one, right? The cost of acquisition. Yeah. So I, I think that absolutely applies to you know consumer facing side of things that you spend so much time and effort. And I'll go on a little bit of a of a tangent here, but I, I think an interesting another case study is Nike. Two versions they developed this little fuel band, right? This little thing, kind of like a Fitbit or whatever, you know, to track your steps and track your running. And they really target it towards runners. And so, like, you get these fuel points, and they had an online platform where you can compete with your friends. You could set daily goals, whatever it was. But what Nike realized was like the thing kept breaking. Like it was a shit product. Like it and. They totally had the resources to do it, and so they tried a version two, and they they basically came to a point where they're like, if you brought in a Fitbit to any Nike store, they would just replace it straight up. They wouldn't even try to repair it anymore. And so Nike obviously is one of these companies who's got like vertical integration down. They're making shoes for pennies on the dollar, right? So if they really wanted to make a our cost competitive Fitbit, they could. But what they realized is that they created this community of runners who are really excited about this camaraderie, and so. What they did instead is they said, you know, fuck the, uh, so, sorry. <laughs> um, they, said, screw sorry. <laughs> they said, screw the, uh, the fuel band. We actually just interested in the platform because we see this huge value where people, no matter if they're running in Nikes or if they're running in Adidas or they're running in Asics or Brooks or whatever it is, they're on our platform and they're going to associate running with Nike now, whether or not they're using our fuel band or a Fitbit or whatever it is. So they dropped the fuel ban altogether and said, we're going to keep the platform and you can bring your Fitbit, you can bring your iPhone, you can bring whatever it is you use to track your running. You can bring it to our platform because we're just actually more interested in your engagement. And that just completely flipped the switch, right? They went from transactional doing all this effort, these huge ad campaigns to get you to register to buy a pair of shoes and said, you know what? We'd rather do the slow burn and focus on building a relationship with you. And you're more likely to have higher li- lifetime customer value with us. And you're more likely to have a positive brand experience with us. And, and anytime you think about running, even if you prefer Adidas or you like the, the footbed of Asics, you're actually going to be more likely to, to purchase a pair of Nikes. Or you might run an Asics and wear a Nike shirt. Mm-hmm. I think that's such a, a big shift with, with, with business probably in the past five years. And just understanding that it's not an easy fix to reduce churn or, or to understand relational uh, business, but... I think companies like Nike, if, if they're doing it, they're, there's something to it. So anyhow, I'll get off my soapbox about that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's, it's, it's fascinating. I think Nike's done a better job than most of it. I know my, my, sister's, um, my sister's a keen runner and she does a lot of, uh, you know, Nike have the Nike running club and then they have all these events and then they have people who are pacers for it and they're clad heads to turn Nike and they're basically brand ambassadors so they've tied the whole thing into a big influencer campaign as well and they've basically built an entire tribe not well it's not specifically to sell them products is it but they've just built the tribe and they realize that that association is way more valuable than like a transactional ad necessarily to get someone to buy a pair of trainers because now that person associates themselves with the company so when it's time to buy some trainers well there's one company that you have a clear emotional bond with and you feel a part of the tribe. And then there's another where it just be purely a, you know, a transactional purchase. So really interesting how they've used kind of apps and this, this community thing, a, a bit like what you guys have done and how that's 
bringing them financial rewards. Absolutely. And I would, I, I'm just going to throw one correction your way. They didn't build that tribe. That tribe existed. They just gave that tribe a place to unite. Very good distinction. So I think a lot of people think they can build a tribe. <laughs> and Yeah, that's true. Well, it's obviously a lot easier to, to jump on a tribe that already exists. I, I want to ask you about acquisition because obviously, you know, retention is super important, but you've got hundreds of thousands of members and that doesn't happen purely from retention. Um, what are the sort of ways that, 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 that the Savvy Club is getting new members in? So about two years ago, we went down this path of developing an app. And there aren't very many good horsemanship apps at, at that point in time. There's actually a few, few good ones out there right now. It came from a simple question. I was working with, with Pat on something. And he kind of made this, this comments of, you know, I don't want to do another trailer loading clinic. Like a lot of these people think they've got a fire, fire breathing dragon and they come to me because they want to fix this problem, which is totally a valid point, right? You know, you can't really stay progressive or, or earn a sense of achievement if you can't solve this problem, right? You know, there's a, there's a pain point. And so I just thought that was really interesting. I was like, he's like, in most cases, 90% of the people think they have a fire breathing dragon, but they don't. And it's just a simple shift and they can watch, you know, one of the thousand videos that we've done on trailer loading. I'm, I'm tired of going out there and doing the same thing. And then I want people to have more fun. I want people to start doing other things with horses other than us just solving, solving their problems. So we kind of had this, this image problem where people just thought of us as problem horse experts. And, and we totally are, but really our passion has been helping people do amazing things with horses. So beyond the problems, now they can have fun, they can ride bareback, they can go bridalist, or they can enhance their, their competitive nature and, and you know, become a better competitor in whatever sport or discipline that they're doing, or if they just want to be more confident, more handy, more accomplished for their own reasons, all that starts with with problem solving. So we started this problem solving app with the most fourteen or the the fourteen most common problems that people have with horses. So, you know, trailer loading, bucks, rears, bolts, won't stand still for the farrier. It's you know, buddy sour means you know you you take one horse from the herd and you try to go on a trail ride and the horse is freaking out because you know, they're not with their buddy or you you start heading home from the trail and then your horse just knows it's going home. So it keeps running back to the barn. So we, we <laughs> looked at these these common problems and we're like, we'll just give that away because we, our mission is to help people no matter where they live or what they can afford by uniting them with a like-minded group of people and who are looking for a safe, ethical and effective and rewarding way with horses. And so we started with this problem solving app and said, let's just give that away so that we can start to focus on helping people have more fun. And we, we can be known as, as you know, the, the presidents of the fun, too much fun club, like Pat likes to say, and get people focused on that versus just us, you know, oh, I can't try to load my horse. Let's, let's go talk to Pirelli. So anyhow, long story short, we created this app, simple set of videos, and it helped thousands of people, tens of thousands of people, um, and we use that as a tool to really just be generous. I've, another thing that Seth Godin has said, and I'm going to sound like a talking puppet for this guy, but um, he talks about trust and authority and how they're in an interdependent relationship. So in order to gain more trust, you need to develop authority on a subject and become an expert. In order to become an expert, one, you need to study, but also to be an expert in your tribe's mind, you also need, they need to trust you. And so how do you get into that? Because, you know, they're, they're kind of interdependent there and a mutual relationship. So I think the way you get there is being generous and saying, we're committed to helping you. That, that's our goal. And 
whether it's solving a problem, whether it's, you know, getting your horse into a trailer, whether it's making sure that it stands still to get, you know, a foot trim or put shoes on, we want to be associated with that. And then you're more likely and more, you have a better feeling about Pirelli. And, and now you say, oh, what else do they have to offer? They've got you know, thousands of other videos. I wonder what else these people are doing with horses. And now you start to see that and, and you're more open to it. You know, we've, we've worked with Olympians. Um, we, we have great relationships with, with, with people who are, who are making change in, in the horse industry. And I think the only way we've, we've been able to do that is, is being generous and being um, really committed to that larger mission. It's kind of, it sounds a bit like, you know, the, the Frank Cohn quote, the best way to demonstrate that you can help people is by actually helping them. So you've given away something which immediately gets people a result. One of the things I wanted to ask you is you mentioned that Pirelli is becoming known as the company that helps the problem horses, right? You, you yeah. specifically become known for solving a particular problem. And obviously, you know, Pat was doing a bunch of these trailer loading courses. So was there ever a, a question or an argument that said, this is the thing that people are coming to us for, we're now going to give it away free, that could potentially damage our value? Or were we just like, right, do you know what? We know we've got the confidence that they're going to come to us for other stuff if we give away this core stuff, which is we, we know is really good and, and works really well for people. Yeah, I think it kind of comes back to that question of what's changed. The fact is, you can go on YouTube, you can Google trailer loading, and there's probably going to be 15,000 videos on it. It's already out there for free. And so why can't we just be authoritative on it and give a really, really quality thing that we know is good advice and we know that doesn't involve lifting a horse or hobbling it or drugging it to get to a trailer? really put that message out there and package it in a way that's way more attractive than, you know, the handheld iPhone video of how to load a trailer or how to trailer load a horse. So I think the reality is it's already free. So we could choose to engage in that or we can, you know, try to hide it behind a paywall, which I think is, is in that case, not, not the right. Obviously I think that's not the right way to do it because we didn't do that. Mm. <laughs> so um, yeah, yeah I, th I think that, it's it's extremely important to have that conversation because you obviously don't want to can cannibalize your business. But at the same time, people have to be committed. In order for people to be committed, they have to, to, to have some sense of achievement, have to have some sense of like, oh, this really works. And so many people try to say, oh, I'll tell you when it works. You just got to give me 500 bucks or whatever it is. And <laughs> it's just gross, man. Like you don't want to... It's like the used car salesman who's like, oh yeah, it runs great. You know, um, just put a deposit on it and then we can go take a test drive. Oh, like... <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Sorry. That's a great analogy. <laughs> I, I think I, I kind of skirted around your question a little bit about the app and, and acquisition, but the point is is that it's 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 a long term acquisition tool. It's not get them in and convert them. It's let's help you. Let's play the what we call the friendly game, which is one of the seven games that we're known for, and really make sure people are qualified in a sense that this is really what they want with horses. If they want to use bigger bits bigger spurs and they want to beat the hell out of their horse, sorry, you're not part of our tribe. <laughs> like, and if you just think it's going to be quick fixes along the way with horses, it's not how horses work. And there's lots of people who do that and do find success, but I would argue that they don't maintain the dignity of the horse or the dignity of the human. So if dignity is not in your equation, then go do something else. Have fun. I, I, I don't encourage it in a sense of, um, you know, I think it's wrong for the horse, but I also don't think that those people, they, they, they may not be a good member of our tribe.
be wolves in sheep, sheep's That's clothing. That's really interesting. So I'm okay you, with you that. have a clear, <laughs> as clear a picture of who you don't want as the ones that you do want. Yeah, I mean, I think anybody who's been involved with horses has seen people do things to horses that neither their mother would be proud of or the horse's mother would be proud of. And mm. people still do it. And they do it for many reasons. I don't think anybody got into horses to be mean to horses or do anything like that. And at the end of the day, you know, horses are pretty okay until we showed up. So <laughs> I, anyhow, I, I don't mean to get on a soapbox there again, but that's. No, no, it's funny. It is. I, I think it's really interesting for people to hear that there are clearly, there are clearly, well, there are, like you say, there are soapboxes, right? There are soapboxes that are part of the Pirelli story and part of the Pirelli brand. And it's like when we're just talking about this, they, they run so deeply and they're so ingrained and they're such a part of the story that they just naturally come out. And for your target audience, that's really going to appeal to them, isn't it? And for the people who aren't your audience, that's really not going to appeal. So there's going to be a bunch of people listening to this who came in for a digital marketing podcast, although they like horses, and they're now thinking, yeah, yeah, he's right. And, you know, that that's really going to appeal to them. So I think that there's a kind of story and there's a lesson in there, which is making sure you know what you stand for and making sure that this is something that you can really get behind. This isn't just lip service. This is something that you believe passionately about. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think that's that's how you really, you know, back to the Nike equation and maybe to just, just to kind of show a less extreme version of this. Like the, the point is that people are passionate about running and, and running in a way that, that makes them feel good and a way that, that that's fun with other people. So that's really the the secret sauce or the 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 fuel to the fire is having that group of passionate people who who have something to rally around. So, and I think it's just as important. You know, you talk about branding and and that side. You know, a brand is also a, is a promise of what you are, but it's also a promise of what you're not. Great quote, great quote. You should get that on an uh, on an Instagram quote. That's awesome. <laughs> I didn't make that one up. So I'm I'm simply a regurgitator of some. I've read it somewhere. I probably read it on Instagram. Who knows? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> for, for those who are listening who are thinking of starting their own membership whether it's purely online where there's an offline online split do you have any nuggets of wisdom which you could impart to them oh man <laughs> <laughs> do the heavy lifting first do it on paper do it cheaply i really like uh google's sprint model where they sprint it towards something for a week using a lot of sticky notes and, and things like that. There's a great book on it that they've released and they've actually even, um, I can't remember the, the website off the top of my head, but they've got a, a sprint kit is what they call it. So test your ideas fast, fail forward fast, test, um, test with your people. Don't be afraid to say, hey, what do you think about this? I think so many people get so tied up in the expert mode that they, they don't feel like they can ask their tribe whether or not this is resonating with them. So be humble. Uh, shout out to Kendrick Lamar on that one. Um, <laughs> Hip hop's another one of my secret passages. Um, so <laughs> Hip hop and horses, that's a pretty unique combo. Yeah, yeah. I mean, a new album, it's just, I think my, my house burned down. It was so lit. But um, <laughs> anyhow, <laughs> completely diverging. Nuggets, nuggets for, um, for people starting a membership uh, company. Uh, gosh. Yeah, do the work. Find a platform that works. I mean, and surround yourself with a team. I, I, you know, we've been talking for over an hour now. I, I really want to also hone in that this has not just been me. There's been a team of people who've, who've made this happen. And so 
I think it's so important to really focus on the power of we and the power of a team. For the solopreneurs, I know that's not what you want to hear, but a team can be just your sounding board, your, your cadre of people that you run ideas by. Don't get into a silo and try to be a one-way broadcaster. I think you're going to lose in 2017. I think you're going to lose in 2018. I think you're going to lose in 2020 if you just think you can be this solo one-way distribution of information. You might be able to find you know, a few people that, that'll do that, but I think in the long run, you're going to lose. So take a team approach, focus on leveraging the expertise of different people. I think it's so important. You know, As a product manager, I, I do everything but also nothing because my job is to communicate the vision. My job is to also help people communicate with different facets of the business. So I think that's been such a valuable piece that we have programmers, we have developers who are experts in their own right, but we also have marketers. We also have students. We have instructors who understand the program at a deep level. And if I tried to come in there and just say, oh, no, this is how we're going to do it, then it would be shit because I'm not a horse person. I don't understand always how horse people think, but these people are you know, steeped in it. So I guess the short nugget there is steep yourself as much as you can according to your skills, but don't be afraid to allow other people on your team or other people in your cadre that have skills and can take the lead on something. That is such good advice. So that, that, that's another piece. And then um, the other piece is, is, you know, as far as the technology, as far as the... Um, the technical side of it, um, keep it simple. Try very, very hard to keep it simple and start with basic prototypes. Start with basic, you know, get, write something down, you know, get a whiteboard, get a ton of whiteboards and, and put your ideas out the way. It's, it's cheaper. First of all, we've made many development mistakes, mistakes that have cost money because we didn't take the time to really flesh it out on paper where it's completely, you know, free basically other than your time. So, you know, don't, don't start in the command prompt. Don't start in Dreamweaver. Don't start with whatever drag and drop builder. You know, start on paper, start with your people and start building it cheaply first. And then you'll really, you'll have more flexibility to pivot and adjust. And then you really need, then you'll know if you need something more complex or you need, you know, a team of developers to do it versus, you know, WordPress setup or Kajabi or, you know, any of these other kind of all-in-one tools. So that, I, I'd say that just from like a cost of business side of things, do that. Listen, you know, taste your cookie. I can I can say that again and again and again, and and really try to walk through your customers' shoes. I don't think people do enough. You know, once they kind of release something, they're not in it as much. It's kind of again that one way thinking of it's just a distribution. It's it's you know I've pushed it out there, but like go through it a few times. You know, find little things that that you know, you'd be surprised the little things that make a difference. You know, and and how a simple menu adjustment or a different photo or something like that could make all the difference in the world. So don't, don't think of it as a done thing, you know, stay, stay fluid, stay consistent though. You don't want to change too much, but stay fluid enough that you're, you're constantly trying to taste your own cooking, constantly trying to understand it from your customer's experience and constantly trying to improve it for them versus just being static. So fantastic advice, James. And thank you so much for giving us such a fascinating insight behind the scenes of, of, of Pirelli. Um, massive, massive respect for what for what you, the whole team has built. Um, it's, uh, it's it's very impressive, and I hope listeners have have got a sense for for, for the work and the and the passion that's gone in. How can people find out more about you personally and about Pirelli, the the company and the Savvy Club? Um, so yeah, Pirelli and visit Pirelli.com or you know, the Savvy Club is is what I what I head up. So uh, Pirelli Savvy Club.com. That's uh, P A R E L L I. Not like the tire, it's uh, with an A. 
And then that's Savvy, S-A-V-V-Y, and club, club. Uh, Pirelli Savvy Club, all one word, dot com. And then um, you can follow us on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, all that stuff. Uh, me personally, it's fairly simple. Most of my handles are just Jerome Love. Um, so Twitter and Instagram. Instagram's probably the thing that I do most. I'm passionate as a photographer, but um, be happy to, if anybody has questions or anything like that, feel free to reach out. I'm fairly accessible. So. Thank you so much for joining us, Jerome, and thank you everyone for tuning in.